Amen. How many of you glad you placed your feet on a rock? Oh, you could do better than that. How many of you glad you placed your feet on a rock? Amen. It is wonderful to know that when you plant your feet on Christ, you don't have to worry about sinking um, and you don't have to worry about sagging uh, because uh, he is a worthy place of safety. As a matter of fact, the old song used to say, all other ground is what? Yeah, all other ground is sinking sand. And so if Christ is your rock, you ought to put your hands together one more time for him. Amen. Amen. Uh, just a few uh, items before uh, we get in. I'm glad some of my family is here from the DMV. Got my pops in today. Put your hand up, Pop. Just put it up. Daddy, put your hand up. Daddy, put your hand up in there. Daddy, put your hand up in there. There he is. <laughs> 92, look, never looked so good. Going on 93. Good looking man. Amen. Amen. Rock ain't fall too far from the tree pops, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and um, it's all right. You know my wife thinks so anyway. Um, my, my sister is here, my youngest, oldest sister, who still call me her little brother. She's here, so I'm thankful for her to be here. My two nieces, two of my youngest nieces. Put your teenage hands up in the air. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. So proud of them. They're both uh, on honor roll, taking AP classes and everything. So I'm so proud of them. Very, very proud of them. Very, very proud of them. Um, just a few things really, really quickly. Um, uh, we're going to be celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. Amen. Amen. And so 10 years of faithfulness, our theme is going to be all grown up. Can somebody say all grown up? Yeah. So we're going to celebrate that reality. We always do something externally to really do outreach. This time we're going to do some love on just us being able to celebrate God's goodness. We'll do outreach in other facets. You know we do it. You saw all the stuff we do, but I think it's time to, for us to meditate on the sacredness of this moment that God has given us of a decade of gospel ministry. So um, we're going to be doing some things. We're going to have an old school revival that week. Three-day revival. We're going to have a three-day revival. Y'all know we ain't never do that, you know. That wasn't cool back in the day at Epiphany to do something that says revival on it. Now, oh, we don't care anymore. Um, and so um, we, we're having it Pastor Blake Wilson. He's coming to open up. Then we're having uh, Charlie Dates to come in uh, to, 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 to hoop a little bit for us. Um, um, so the organizations need to be ready for him. And then we're going to have the close on Friday, I believe, is Matt Chandler. He's going to be with us to celebrate. And then on Saturday is going to be great because Saturday, um, you know, um, no jeans, no sweatshirts. You got to get a modest gown together. Amen. Look at your name and say modest. Amen. Amen. A to the men. Then we're going to have men. You got to get a tuxedo. Amen. Amen. Don't be talking, I don't wear suits. You know what I'm saying? You're going to wear a suit that day, all right? And so um, we're going to all be in there, and we're going to be looking nice. We're going to take a big old photo together, and we're going to celebrate the goodness of God at a banquet. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So that means put your little chips together, because we're going we're gonna to be celebrating real nice. Like, And then on Sunday morning, one of my uh, spiritual fathers is going to be coming here. Dr. Crawford Loritz will be here on Sunday morning. So it's going to be a crazy uh, week from the 14th to the 17th. And so I'm thankful for the Lord's goodness on our ministry. Also, today is the action walk out in the neighborhood. Really excited about that. Amen. I need, I need us out there. Um, I need us out there on the block getting it. Um, what we want to do is we want to show a hefty gospel presence on the block. And what we're going to be doing is videoing in four different locations. I know it's a little brisk. You brought some niceness on, had it on your little walkage. We're going to hit the block. Boom. Guess what we're going to do? We'll ask four questions. We're going to say, what are the four greatest, three greatest needs in this neighborhood? What are the three greatest influences? What are the churches in this neighborhood doing to help with those three needs? And then lastly, we're going to talk about when you hear the word Jesus, the name Jesus Christ, what do you hear? What do you think? And we want to collaborate, make all of that um, work together and, um, and, 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 um, and, and work together really, really well so that we can comprise that video and have a Wednesday night Bible study where next after we finish Bible study methods, we're digging into urban apologetics so you can learn how to share your faith, 
Learn how to engage Muslims. Learn how to engage Hebrew Israelites. Learn how to engage people who, uh, uh, who uh, minister the gospel to people who believe in transgender lifestyles and all these different things so that we can communicate the gospel lovingly, not hatingly, to different people groups. And so we're really, really excited about that. And so I want you to help Recap. Our Recap is going to be leading it because he's going to, this is his, one of his residency assignments. So you need to help him well, because if he don't do well, he won't be planting no church um, in Southwest Philly. Um, he won't be planting no church. Um, amen. Amen. So, so, so the pressure's on him today. So y'all help him out. So if a lot of y'all don't go, he's going to be in trouble. So I'm just letting y'all know. So y'all going to get the brother in trouble. Amen. Amen. I don't care if he's embarrassed. He's going to be in trouble. I love him. And so, um, and so we're excited about this. But nah, in all seriousness, I'm excited about this. And some of you, this will be your first time on the block. I want you to really get to know what we're dealing with in loving our neighborhood. A lot of times churches, people that drive in, never, they drive past a lot of issues and drive back past a lot of issues. But what we want to do is we want to park for a little while for those, because we know a lot of you are from the neighborhood, but then those of you who aren't, you need to be educated on what's around here. Amen. And so let's get it. Um, uh, next, you got to recognize this is the last Sunday we're having two services. Uh, so next Sunday, we're going to three Amen. And so just mark that like you, uh, 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 like you would and make sure you pick what's gathering you're going to come to. A few other things. Discover Epiphany is right after this gathering. If you are interested in knowing more about Epiphany Fellowship, right after this gathering, we're going to be together. And then Malawi, I want to give God one more hand praise for his work in Malawi. Thank you, Peter, for coming. Peter's going to be available. I don't know if they mentioned it, but kids need sponsorship. And so those of you above your normal giving and other giving, if you could uh, connect with Peter, he's going to be in Pastor Larry's office up there, our community life and missions pastor. Go in there, talk with him, and see what it looks like to come alongside of uh, those young people there in Malawi. Let's get on our feet. Let's get in the book. All right. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 11 through 15, uh, you go ahead and read the whole thing when I count to three. One, two, three, go. Real quickly, for this brief time that we're together, I want to talk about where do you find your value? Where do you find your value? Uh, look at somebody next to you and say, neighbor, I got a question for you. Where do you find your value? They're not feeling you. Look at the person next on the other side. Say, neighbor, I got a question for you. I'm serious now. Where, Where do you find, do you find your, value? your value? Father, we thank you. We honor you and bless you uh, that you get to help us to engage that reality. And Father, I am praying that you would clarify my words. No jumble, no uh, difficulty and lack of clarity of thought. But Lord God, help me to proclaim your excellencies to your people that they may see a big Christ. And the beauty of finding our value in him. God, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. And help us not to just be hearers of the word, being under great delusion, but God, help us to be effectual doers. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. There is a show um, that comes on History Channel that I haven't watched in a while. It's called P-A-W-N Stars. I had to spell that. Uh, when I say pawn, I want to make sure you know I'm saying pawn. 
stars. Amen. Uh, some of y'all will get why I did that on the way home. Um, but this show, this show uh, has a, 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 it's a pawn shop, a very notable pawn shop in Las Vegas, Nevada, where they have a show where it's all about evaluating the value of stuff. And in evaluating the value of things, um, people always bring things in there that they think is valuable because they're trying to make a quick buck. And so sometimes they'll come in there with something and they'll throw it before uh, the guys and they'll say, this is worth nothing. Uh, it's interesting that they want to ascribe value to something that has no value to it at all. Many times in our lives, we have things that we want to take before God as if it is valuable. But when we bring it before God, it has no value um, at all. But then there are times when people come in there not recognizing uh, what they have uh, in their life and they bring it in there to get the value of it assessed. And, uh, and, and without knowing it, they had a priceless possession in their possession that was just laying in a closet or in a garage or in an attic somewhere, not knowing that that thing was a very, very valuable thing. And once it gets be before the assessor of things of value, they begin to say, this is more valuable than you think. I believe that no believer really recognizes their value before God. God is calling us to bring ourselves before him, recognizing that only he and only he can ascribe and communicate what our value is. If, 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 if it was up to us, we would value our thing, ourselves based on persons places and things, but God is causing us and calling us to value ourselves based on him. Just a few points. I got about four of them real quick shotgun points for you, and I promise today I'm out of your way. If you're going to recognize and where uh, uh, do you find value or where does your value come from, number one, you got to recognize that your value is under the eyes of God. Under the eyes of God. Look at what he says here. He says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. This idea uh, of uh, here of knowing uh, the fear of the Lord points back to uh, verse uh, 10, where he talks about we all must stand before the bema seat. Somebody say bema seat. Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. And so every believer will stand before Jesus Christ at some point, not to evaluate whether or not you're spending eternity with God, but the rewards based on your commitment to practically living out for him in every area of your life that are rewards that you will be able to receive in order to throw at Jesus Christ's feet. Rewards, most people think rewards is about how much heaven you enjoy. I believe all of us will equal enjoy heaven. However, we won't be able to equally enjoy what we're able to throw before the Lord as something he did through us and to us for us to give right back to him. And so, and so I don't know about you, but when I get before the Lord, I want to have a lot to throw at his feet. In other words, the throwing of our crowns at his feet is a designation of our dependence and submission to him and how much we place value on him above ourselves. I want my crown to be full of diamonds. I want him to have uh, pink diamonds. I want him to have yellow diamonds. I want him to have white diamonds. I want him to have black diamonds. I want him to have more diamonds on my head than all hip-hop artists in all the history of hip-hop arts so that I can have some eternal blingology to drop at the feet of my king. I wish somebody would help me a little bit that you want your life to have so much value. You want your life to have so much greatness. You want your life to count in such a way that you say, God, everything in my life is for me to enjoy you enjoying me enjoying you, which what you enjoy, I enjoy, and we can mutually enjoy together. And so the writer is saying here, he's saying here, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. What is that? Standing in all the reality of God, knowing uh, points to beautifully enough uh, living a life reflecting as it relates to the day of account and also living your life knowing that God's eyes are looking at you. Uh oh, uh oh. See, see, sometimes it's hard because when you only look at the transcendence of God but doesn't recognize. <laughs> that his transcendence is high, but his eyes are imminent. Let me break it down. Transcendence means he's up above everything enthroned. The earth is his footstool. However, his eyes are imminent in that they see everything simultaneously at the same time. Yes. 
And so God sees all of your life, past, present, and future, and he sees actual and potential decisions that you can make in the beginning and end of those decisions and where they can land you. If you would have married this person, he would have saw what type of kids you would have had. If you'd have married this person, if you didn't marry nobody, he would have saw what your life would be. If you'd have took that job and said this, and if you'd have been to that school, he knows all of that at the same time and can mentally handle it, yet he looks in the individual's life and could know you deeply on a deep level. I like that about God. It's that God, and so, and so the person that knows, listen, that God looks deeply with detail at the internal matrix down to the atomic structure of our decisions lives their life a different way. Yes. You live your life a different way. I remember when I was little, you know what I'm saying, and I was doing something, I had absolutely no business. Amen. And then um, um, my dad or my mom called me in which I, I can tell the difference. Of course, there's Eric. Hey, Eric. Eric Matthew Mason. That was a different call. That was a different call right there. I, it, the, the full government name designated the fact that something was wrong. I know ain't none of y'all got in trouble before and heard your entire, like, names, people in the neighborhood ain't even know you had. They heard, hey, that's your name, Dag. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some of y'all ain't find out your name to the wedding, like your first name. Anyway, hold up, that I regress. Um, <clears throat> and when I got there, what were you doing? Oh, you know, and I'm just talking crazy, right? Saying what I did. You know, I was just, you know, I just enjoying the weather and, you know what I'm saying? Just, and then, and then, and then, I don't know what it is. God made women. I, I don't, I, like, I don't know if God lets y'all peek into his omniscience sometimes. <laughs> and y'all know exactly what we were doing and how we were doing it. And then, and then they say, oh, I'm, I, 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 let me just let you know, I saw you. And you're like, oh, God, it's over. You know what I'm saying? Because I, if I would have known that they were looking at me while I was acting a fool, I would have acted differently. See, knowing you're being watched changes your integrity. Knowing you're being watched changes your disposition. Why don't we recognize and realize that you know and must know that God's eyes are on you? One of my favorite verses in the Bible on God watching you is the eyes of the Lord look to and fro so in order so somebody's heart that's fully his that he may give strong support. Somebody has to say strong support. God loves to support dying people. Help me today, God. He loves to support people that are willing to die to their self in order to see the glory of what he wants for them. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he says here, knowing the fear of the Lord. That means you're intimately knowledgeable of what it means to stand in all the reality of God because you know that his eyes on you. And in knowing the fear of the Lord, he says we persuade others. Yes. Now, Paul's got a chip on his shoulder <coughs> right now because you remember background wise, he doesn't have credibility that he should have with the flock that he's ministering to. Because they value fly preachers. Amen. I know nobody not like that. Yeah, they, 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 they like Bentley preachers. You understand what I'm saying? They like preachers of so-and-so preachers. Amen. Some of that went past you. In other words, some people like preachers that live a braggadocious disposition. I'm going to come back to that in a second. But Paul says we persuade others. What does he persuade others with? The gospel. Now, in persuading them with the gospel, that means... He has to do things that he wouldn't normally do to persuade them that he has gospel credibility so that they can hear the gospel. That's what he's talking about. So he says, we persuade others. I'm coming back to that. He says, he says, but we are known to God. That's crazy to be able to say that. In other words, he's saying God's omniscience. I am knowledgeable of God's omniscience in such a way. I'm not perfect, Paul is saying, but he says, I'm so knowledgeable of God's omniscience that it affects how I do ministry. It, it affects how I talk. It, it, it affects my commitment to the gospel, right? He says, and I hope what it is known to you. What is known to you that you, fear the, that you fear the Lord? You need to have leadership that you're confident in. I'm coming back to this again. That you're confident that fears the Lord. You should have ran right there. You need to have leadership that you're under, that you're confident of, 
that fears God. Okay. Anyway, uh, um, see, see, let me, let me, let me, let me say something. See, some of y'all ain't live long enough to be under hellacious foolishness. Um, and and, and see, some, of, some of us will complain about what we have not knowing what's out there. Help me today, God. Help me today. I'm not bragging on myself, but I'm just saying, you, you, in order to appreciate what God has given you, you got to know the substandard disposition of selfishness that exists in the realm of the ecclesiastical order. Anyway, I got to keep moving. Um, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing it, we persuade others. In other words, <coughs> Paul is saying, I shouldn't have to persuade you. Shouldn't have to persuade you. In other words, he said, I, 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 I walked you to Christ. I baptized some of y'all, not all of y'all, but some of y'all. I've walked with you from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. So there should be a disposition of trust that is there, right? And so he's saying, and we, he's fighting for this. Stay with me. He's fighting for this in a particular reason that helps them understand their value. Uh, uh, we, we're going to see that powerfully enough uh, in this section in, in, in a minute. And as he says this, he says, I hope it is known to your conscience. That's interesting. It's interesting that he didn't just say, I hope you know it. I hope it's known to you on the deepest level. Yeah. That, that's, that's crazy because a lot of the church finds out its identity in Christ by those who proclaim their identity in Christ and who live a particular way before them where they're repenting of sin and walking in commitment to the gospel and proclaiming the truth of the word. And so this should get to a point because this is, I'm gonna come to this in a second, but where you get, where you see, not where you get your value from, you don't get your value from your leadership. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. You don't get your value, because I'm not your mediator. I didn't die on no kind of cross and get up from no kind of grave from you. So you don't find your identity in me. But what you do find in relation to me or the leadership here is the identity that we proclaim that you find yourself in. Oh, help me today. See, that's the difference. I gotta move. Help me today. Point number two. That, that leads me to this point. Therefore, in light of what, where do you find your value, uh, 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 you, you must find your value in nourishing where you are reminded about your true value. You have to nourish. Please bear with me in a little foolishness in this Pauline exegetical idea. This is expositional preaching, so I don't get to choose when I go line by line what's said. But listen to a little bit of the foolishness of preaching that Paul brings up as he communicates the excellencies of Christ. Listen, he says, we are not commending ourselves. He said, we're not bigging ourselves up. We're not writing ourselves a resume to you for you to value us based on how we value ourselves. It's crazy. He says, he said, he says, we are not commending ourselves to you again. He said, listen, we already done talked to you about what we believe we should be valued to, to you. Stay with me because this is important. He says, but giving you cause to boast about us. Why would Paul tell the body, I want to give you cause to boast about me? This is, this is crazy. This is beyond come to my church. In other words, you got to recognize Paul is wanting the believers to boast in what he preaches. <laughs> okay, let me see if I can make it. Make in other words, he's saying, boast in what God has done through me for you. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain, because y'all are really looking at me funny. Let's make this plain. Um, my pastor, they drive this. My pastor lives here. My pastor does that. See, that's bullcorn. I said corn. That's worthless. Let me, let me tell you what he's talking about. He said, boast that we suffer well. Mm. See, y'all, I'm in the book. I'm in the, see, y'all don't like that kind of preaching. Y'all like preaching where the preacher exalts himself and gets out of car and go like this, and he got 15 armor bearers around him. The, the whole takes his coat off, holds his Bible. I wish somebody would carry my Bible and open it up. To, man, I can carry my, anyway, God help me. Um, man, 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 because if the worship gathering has an overemphasis on the service of the one that's supposed to be a servant. 
In other, in other words, Paul says, boast in this, that we suffer, we go through hardships, and we hang in there. Boast in the fact that we preach the gospel every week. Boast in the fact that you was in a dark place, and when you heard that sermon, it took you out of the place that you was in. That's what I'm talking about. Boast that you got a phone call when your mom's died. Boast about that. Boast that you get shepherded. Boast that you get led. Boast that you get poured into. The problem is, is many times in ministry, people tend to meet with you when they got an issue with you. And you can get a discourse. Ain't nothing happened recently, so don't feel like, um, notice I said recently, but notice many people will write a discourse when they got an issue with you, but give a clause when they want to encourage you. And see, when you get 15 discourses and a medium-sized thank you, what you begin to think is, what value am I to God's people? Because the preachers, the leaders need to know in order to keep doing it that their preaching, discipleship, and shepherding is making transformative gospel impact on your life. That's why I'm not against, I think some pastors' appreciation stuff is just blown out of proportion. I just, but there's a good thing for the church and leadership to develop healthy relationship with knowing that God is up to something. Yes. You listen, listen, do you know how long, you know, I can't even count the amount of hours that, I, that, I've, that I've prepared for sermons over the years. Yes. And, 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 and you want to know that someone's marriage stayed together because you preached the word. Yes. You want to know that when you rebuke that person, and they stayed at the church that they're not bitter with you, but they want to come to you. I know I didn't like that pastor, and I hated you to the bone, but when I got with the ghost in my Bible and prayer, I realized you was right. See, there, see, we have to learn, and Paul is trying to help the church in its value to have healthy congregate pastoral relationships because what that does is it has missiological implications for lost people. I don't have time to get into that yet. But it's very, very important that you love and like the church, not put up with it, because that's what you're supposed to do. Oh, God, help me today. And so he goes in and he helps us to recognize. He said, but he said, he said, this is, he said, we want you to boast about impact. But then look what he says. He said, so that, look at what he says. So you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance. Some so people say some stupid stuff. It, I mean, I don't want you to brag about facilities. I don't want you to brag. That's not braggadocious worthy. What's bra- he, he said, I don't want you to. But, uh, appearances? He says, and he says, and not about what is in the heart. Wow. That's what's powerful. That's what's powerful here is that this encouragement points to you. How does this work? You nourish the place that reaffirms your identity. That's what you got to do. Let me say that one more time. You really got to get this. You have to nourish the place where you get your value from. Not value from, but reminded about your value. Because the church doesn't give you value. The preacher doesn't give you value. Our outreach and our church planning doesn't give you value. Our lock-ins, our retreats, our camp, our men's ministry, our women's ministry does not give you value. It only affirms the value that Christ already gave you at the cross. That's the key difference. Help me today. I got to move. I got to move. And so, so I want you to be able to give an answer to stupid stuff. Translation. Next point. Um, you know your value when you make unpopular decisions. <laughs> this, is, this is just crazy. When you make decisions that are unpopular. Oh, see, you ain't, okay, let me get, I got to get the verse first. He says, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. In other words, Paul is saying, it can be translated, if we're out of our minds, it's for God. In other words, th- this can be translated to go into a spiritual state of insanity. (laughs) This is crazy. In other words, to a person looking at, 
some of the decisions that you make as you're walking with God and he's telling you biblically what to do that's against the grain of your flesh, you look crazy. See, see, when you, you know you're growing as a Christian, when you don't make the popular decision based on the fleshly comment, comment feeds on Facebook. Help me today, God. In, 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 other, in, other, words, in other words, what, what, what we're supposed to do as believers is as you find that your value isn't in the opinion of the world, you begin to turn down what you could have had. Some of you may have to, you may get a job. And they may be like, we're going to pay you $250,000 a year. Some of y'all started going like this already, didn't you? So, hey, God, going like that, right? That's what you started doing. But you have to do 10% things that lacks integrity. And so you're trying to figure out, so how can I, God, you know, I can minister to the while I, you know, and you try to work it out, and, and the Holy Ghost is going to say, cocoons, no, cocoons, no, cocoons. And you're like, dang, God, 250. Do you know what I can do? I can pay all my student loans in one year, God. I can just, you know, God, just let me do it for a year. You know, and, 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 and you don't, you don't wreck. Some of y'all know, yeah, that's right, Pastor. You, Pastor, you prophesying now. You prophesying now. And so, huh? And so, and so, and so what begins, what can begin to happen is, is you will, listen, when, when you find your value in stuff, you, you, will, you will justify decision. I'm a tithe God. I'm going to give to Malawi God. You know, shoot, I'll buy five schools for him, God. Hallelujah, right? You know, some of y'all see somebody fine and they got money. Six-packs, peccatoriuses, and triceptacles. Boom, boom, Belinda, like on uh, Good Times, you know, and you see them. You say, God, <laughs> can I marry that one? And God is like, Holy Ghost, they're like, they're not saved. They're not saved. They don't love me. And you're going to be like, well, God, I can, you know, I'm a missionary. You say we're a missionary. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm a missionary. <laughs> I'm a missionary. Shoot. Money and fine, and then I can help them get Jesus. It's just everything. It does everything, right? But see, when you know the Lord and you fear him and you love him, what is attractive to you, flesh, is repulsive to your spirit. And, 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 and see, 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 that's when you know, that's when you know. You, and then when you say no to it, you're like, Lord, I know I love, I know you. I know you. You're the, you're the God of heaven. You're the one that spoke out on nothing. And, boy, you, you know, that's how you know. When you make a decision based on the spirit and your flesh is crawling with a decision for you and you say no to it, you, you, you know what you say to yourself? I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. <coughs> because when you make a decision in the flesh, you regret it in the process. You're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. Because you can have everything you want in the flesh and your soul be uncomfortable. And that's the way, even though you're not going to hell, you experience a little bit of it on earth. And Paul says, Paul says, if I'm in my right mind, it is for you. In other words, you should have a rubric as a Christian based on your value that you know when Christians are making a biblical decision and affirm it. You'd be like, you, you, listen, listen, when, you, when your brother or sister is making a decision that their flesh is crawling with, you just grab them by the hands and you pray for them that they would walk in the right decision and not compromise and not compromise. Listen, he's saying, he said, y'all should be encouraging me by making these crazy decisions. But let me just, for the spiritually immature, let me just say something real quick. There's a thin line between sacrifice and stupidity. Okay, help me today, God. Um, I'm not calling nobody stupid, but we can do some stupid stuff. So you know you're making a stupid decision by moves birthed in the flesh, selfish ambition, stubbornness, immature and inexperienced counsel, and not counting the cost. But you know you're walking sacrificially. If it's birthed in prayer, the word, gospel principles, wise counsel, 
and you count the cost. That, that's, when you, that's when you know if, if, if it's there. Uh, uh, last point, and I promise I'm out of your way. Last point here. Being defined. You find your value in being defined by the love of Jesus. <coughs> that's, that's it. Um, you find your value, finally, in being defined. This is, this is a monster right here. He says... For the love of Jesus controls us. Let's stop there. Um, it could possibly be Christ's love for us or our love for him, but I don't think it's our love for him um, because our love for him wanes. So you can't find your identity in your love for Jesus because you're up and down with it. So in order to be controlled by Christ's love, you have to be, know it is him loving you and his love for you controls you. Let me see, help me today, God. In other words, this idea of uh, control means uh, to hold within bounds so as to manage or guide you. It means the love of Christ guides you. Let, let me explain something to you. See, what happens, y'all know I mentor church planters, and one of the things that I tell church planters is this. I tell church planters this big time. Never, ever... Never, ever, and be careful of finding your identity in how full the church is or is not. Amen. Let me tell you why. <laughs> because the day it's up, you're going you, you, you to think you're something. <laughs> you're going to think you're something. You're going to think you did that thing. And so what's going to happen is, is what's going to happen is, is you're going to say, I know God loves me because the church is full. Or if it's waning a little bit and some people go on vacation, see, this pastor talk right here. During the summer, pastors be depressed. You know what I'm saying? People be going all over. And listen, listen. And then find your identity in who's not there. And basically say, God doesn't love me because the church isn't growing numerically. Amen. You have to be careful of defining Christ's love based on your ups and downs. Yes. See, see, many of us, Say, if I'm doing well financially and I'm not sick and all of my relationships, God loves me. That's not where your value is. You, uh, 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 things are falling apart. Christ must not love me. Listen, you have to know that God's love is everlasting. It's everlasting. So that, so that means God is so committed to you in the gospel that he loves you when nothing is happening in your life. You, you missed a shout right there. You missed a big old fat shout right there. God loves you when you're at your worst, and it doesn't stop him from loving you. In other words, you will go crazy if you allow circumstances to be the barometer for how you feel God feels about you. Let us let you know right now, you better, you better learn in Jesus' mighty name to find your value in him. Because if you don't, you're going to lose your mind. <coughs> if you don't, you're going to make silly decisions. If you don't, you're going to be far away from the peaceful shore. If you don't recognize that whether you're up or whether you're down, whether you're in a valley or whether you're in a private jet, none of that changes the greatness and commitment and glory and fascination that God's love has for you. Paul breaks it down even deeper. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. <coughs> it controls how I make decisions. It controls, it controls my yeses. Get that. It controls my yeses. It controls my noes. Yes, it does. He says, why? Because we concluded this. That the one, that one has died for all, therefore all has died. So it's talking about dying in Christ. Those who are putting their faith in Christ, you die. Why do you die in Christ? Why do you die? And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. When God buys you, he buys the rights to your soul. He owns the rights. Now, some of you already need a massage because you got knots in your back. Why do you have knots in your back? Because of your view of God. Many of you think that God having control of you is restrictive. 
You don't realize that your demonic freedom is actually a straitjacket. Your demonic freedom is a straitjacket. But in Christ, you're free. God telling you no to something you want is freedom. I'm about to speak in tongues. You better get that in your spirit. I'm serious. I'm about to pray in the Holy Ghost. You better get in. When God tells you no, you better realize he's not stopping you from nothing. He's not stopping you from nothing. That no, see, you and see, you need to stop being so cat inquisitive. Because when God tells you no, you don't need to know why some of us like cats. When the sneak and see was up. But sometimes, just trust in oh God, I don't even want to know why he said no. Thank you for saying no. I'm a little mad, but I'm not going to go over there. Because I don't, because see, man's rejection is God's protection. Finally, I'm out your way. On that shame show, P-A-W-N, Pawn Stars. Sometimes people have had heirlooms in their family for years that they, that are very valuable, that they've treated horribly. They bring him in to the pawn shop and he looks at him and he's like, man, this is, do you know how much this is worth? Man, where did you keep this? And he said, well, you know, we, we kept it here, but we found, somebody told me this may have value. He said, it would have been more valuable if you'd have taken better care of it. He looks at it, he's like, this, this thing is a mess. He said, you've had it in the hands of so many people. You know, you've kept it in dark places and you've thrown it around a whole bunch. But you know what? I'm going to buy it. And I'm going to restore it so that it's more valuable after I buy it and invest in it than before it was in my hands. All I'm trying to tell you today is your life is a mess. It's been in many people's hands. It's been in some dark places. It's been in some broken places and it's been treated horribly. However, you need to take it to Heaven's P-A-W-N shop, Heaven's Pawn Shop, because when you take it to the Lord, he'll buy it back. And when he buys it back, he'll restore it back to everything that he wanted to be. No matter where it's been, no matter what it's been through, no matter how much hell, how many fires it's been through, because you put it in the hands of the master, it is restored to its value. <clears throat> I don't know who I'm preaching to today who's been through some stuff where your value has been dusted. You've been raped. You've been molested. You've been beat down. You've been looked down upon. You've been talked about. You've been at the brunt of people's jokes. But if you would just learn how to take yourself to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he'll take care of you and he'll restore you. He'll reconcile you. He'll renew you and make you brand spanking new. Father, we thank you for the might of the gospel. That's really all it is. It's really all it is. You beat Jesus, Father to make him look like the most valueless thing in the universe. The Bible says nobody looked at him as anything of value. But in heaven you were smiling because it says you pleased to crush him. And the one who had the most value in the universe was treated without any value. Was treated without any value. <coughs> and in being treated without any value, you ascribe the value to him by placing our sins on him. Our sins making him without value, yet with value. It's the paradox of the gospel. Valued but not valued. <laughs> and he died and hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. 
It was quiet on Friday. It was quiet on Saturday. But on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands. It's got to be somebody here. It's got to be. It's got to be somebody that doesn't know him and that are wrestling with value. If you're wrestling with that and you know that you don't know Jesus as Savior, Jesus wants to restore your value by putting you in a relationship with him by faith. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and the pardon of your sins by Christ dying in your place, by God pouring out his wrath on him for your namesake, for his namesake rather, raising him up from the grave so that you can have a relationship with him. We love to chop it up with you. If you're here today and you want to trust Jesus, spend eternity with God starting now. Slip your hand in the air so we can talk to you about Jesus. Anyone today on the floor in the balcony? Anyone? Anyone that says, I know I'm not a believer. I know if I died today, I would not spend eternity with the living God. If that's you today and you've never put your confidence in Jesus Christ for eternal salvation, slip your hand in the air. It's the greatest decision in your life that you can make is to place your confidence in Jesus. Anyone today, anyone says yes, I want to say yes to your will, God, yes to your way. Amen. I want to send a call out to believers. Maybe you're here as a believer and you have, God startled you today at how your value how much of your value that's in Jesus, but you don't function that way. Come forward. Thank you, brother. Brother just started coming up in the midst of that. Anybody that wants prayer, anyone, thank you for coming. So I want prayer. I, I need, I just want God to strengthen me in my commitment to my value that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone today, <coughs> you wrestle. If that's you, it doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you're from, no matter how much you have or don't have. Value is a major issue for you. If value is a major issue for you, come forward. I see y'all coming. We're going to wait for y'all coming from the balcony. We're going to wait for you. It's all right to come up. If y'all could just bring it to the middle, a little closer in the middle for me, that'd be great. Anyone saying, yes, I, I need, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. I need prayer today because um, I, I don't know why I struggle with my value so much. And I, I'm, I'm a believer, but I, I'm always trying to find my value. I'm from relationship to relationship. And really, it's me hiding from my need to expose how I feel about myself before the Lord. I'm always shopping. I'm always spending inordinate amounts of time getting my outfit together because I want to hear somebody say, I look nice, but really, it's not that I just want to look nice. It's really, really because their affirmation g gives me the greatest amount of value. I'm such a words of encouragement person, and nobody will encourage me, so I want to be encouraged by people. Anybody, if, if, if that's you, and I, I see more of y'all coming, saying, God, I want my value to be in Christ and Christ alone, so that my value is not determined by how I feel, <sighs> by what I'm going through, but by you. Thank each and every one of you for boldly coming forward and saying, yes, I, I, I know I'm a believer, yet I know I, I'm sometimes not as clear as I need to be on my understanding of what it means to be devoted to Christ and finding my identity, and not in what I do, but what he's done for me. And what I do for him flows out of what he's done for me. And even my failures don't define me. Father, we thank you, honor you. <clears throat> for those who have come forward, um, it is a great, great honor to see people saying, I'm wrestling with the Lord in my value. I'm wrestling with knowing whether or not I'm valued. Even as a believer, I know I'm saved. I know I've trusted in Christ's death and resurrection. But some strange reason, I just, value is a huge issue for me. And I, I've even built some relationships, some really toxic relationships 
based on value. I spend based on value. All of my life's bent around it. And so, God, I just pray for each and every one, each and every one of these men and women who have come forward and saying, God, will you restore their sight to see the glorious might of the gospel? Lord God, so they can see and recognize that only Christ and what he's done for them can provide value, Lord God, and that because of you, they're the head and they're not the tail. Because of you, they're born again. Because of you, they will wash clean. Because of you, they can walk in newness of life. Because of you, they get to experience the abundant life. And what's interesting, in you, a lot of the things that we find value in, you give to us, yet when you give them to us, it's still not for us to find value in you. But look at how much you value us and how much we must believe and thank you for the value that you graced us with. And so every man and woman before me, God, will you touch them and give them that sense of peace, God, even, as they wrestle through value, say, say, saying, Lord, I, I, want, I want God to affirm my value. You say in Ephesians chapter 3 that you, we may know the love of Christ that surpasses all comprehension. Will you do that here, God? Will you do that here with these men and women? Will they know the love of Christ that surpasses even their understanding? I mean, your love is so massive that their thoughts can't even get to the outskirts of your glorious love for them, your glorious uh, commitment to them, your glorious agape for them, and your commitment to them. And so God, help that to be so clear. Help that to be so divining. And this is something that's not defined by this moment. It's something that has to happen. We have to be reminded of God over and over and over and over again. It's not a one-time deal. It's over and over again. Say, dang, God does value me more than this. I'm in this situation. God values me more than this. Why did I get myself into this? God, navigate their journey as the great eternal navigator, narrator, and author and finisher of their faith. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Let's prepare our hearts and minds.